Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. This is Clint Edwards. Thank you for joining me again on this magical journey through the topic of the Scottish Clans. Or, if this is your first time, not thank you for joining me again, but thank you for joining me for your first time. And I hope you enjoy it and I hope you become a regular here on the Scottish Clans Podcast. Alright, well, look... Um, this is pretty good because I did a podcast last weekend and this is only the next week. So that's pretty good. I've had some times where I did not maintain my 7 to 10 day gap in between episodes. It went more like two weeks, but I think I'm kind of figuring out a little bit of a rhythm here in Monterey. And I'm better able to make plans and, I don't know, just feel like I'm kind of figuring it out a little bit more, which is such a nice feeling. I, for, for almost my first month here, I just felt like I was always one step behind, and that is not a fun place to be. So anyway, here we are together, and today, before I get to start talking about the Clan McInnes which that clan jumped to the top of the pile for a very specific reason, which I'll tell you later. But let me get to some listener feedback before I do that. So I'm going to start on Facebook today. And I actually had this correspondence come through, let me see, on January 23rd. So I was, I'm, I'm a little bit slow in getting to this. So for those of you and I say, hey, you know, reach out and get something up on on Facebook, contact me, keep this dialogue going, and then you've done it, and then I was less than stellar in my response time. I apologize. I do. And for Jeremiah Spence, that I'm going to respond to his comment here in a second, he, it just, it was timing. He, that time period I told you where I was just constantly behind the ball, that's when he reached out. And... So I didn't, I didn't respond to this as, as well as I could have. Anyway, so Jeremiah, let me, let me read some of the things that you've mentioned on here. And I'll, I, I did actually, for the rest of the listeners, I did respond to him just a second ago. And he maybe hasn't even seen it yet. But let me just read to you one of the things that he mentions here. Oh, by the way, when I say reach out to me, this is with the understanding that, that, you, that whatever you reach out to me with, whatever you say in our correspondence, might be pulled in to the the podcast like I'm doing right now you know do listener feedback and if I, I'll try to use my good judgment you know if you're going about personal family history and it's not that it's super private information or I'm assuming you wouldn't be sharing it with me but just it really pertains to only one person I, I like to read get into stuff that will perhaps either be a good jumping off point for a discussion that everybody might be interested in or um, sometimes it's not really that well thought out anyway <laughs> to be honest with you but let me let me just read you what Jeremiah says he says I recently discovered your podcast and find it fascinating so far I'm up, up to episode 7 but I'll probably catch up in a week or two two years ago I was an, a university professor stationed in Rotterdam the Netherlands and had some spare research time available, I decided to take a deep dive into Clan Spence 
and its related families. This became a two-year-long project, resulting in nine books being published so far. All are on Amazon if you would if you would like to take a glance. Now, let me pause in the reading of the message real quick. So, Jeremiah, I hope you I hope you like that what I just did there, because <laughs> now on a much bigger audience. I just put it out there that that you've got something, and, and there may very well be people listening. That's like, you know what? I I've been wanting to. They might be tied into Clan Spence somehow, and and now we just gave them. Not only hopefully it works out for you getting a little business, but hopefully it works out for them being something able to find something of value to them. All right, let's keep going. Interestingly, I found myself asking a similar set of questions that you seem to have. You seem to have starting with what was supposed to be a simple question. What is a clan in the Scottish context? As you know, this is anything but a simple question. I am now laying the outline for my next focusing on the individual stories of clan Spence persons over the ages, even though many Scots have never heard of Spence or Spence or Spence. They have a long, rich history of being in key roles in society at key moments in history. For better or worse, it appears that most Spence or spends in Scotland either moved away or died off. Do you have a spare moment? Anyway, he's um, might that might turn into a, a larger person or private dialogue there. Anyway, so uh, first of all, Jeremiah, thank you for reaching out. And second of all, and this one thing I responded to him with, I wish everybody, I w- not everybody, I wish every clan had somebody within the clan that was really that was ready to just dive into this, do some research. And put some stuff out like Jeremiah has done for the Spence kindred or Spence or Spence. So, good job with that, Jeremiah. And I, I wish you the best of luck in continuing that effort. And let's keep this dialogue going on what we discover when we're thinking about the question, what is a clan? It is where all of the... I, I'm Like I've shared in previous episodes, and I have a whole episode just on this, but I... At a, at a certain earlier period in Scotland, I believe that the akin-based society was ubiquitous. It was, it was all throughout Scotland. I do believe that moving into the 1600s as the central government became stronger, and even though during the 16, early 1600s it moved to London with James VI and became James I, which I had one professor in college describe that as a promotion, <laughs> which I thought was an interesting way to, because England was a richer country than Scotland, financially speaking. Anyway, the, he took a lot of steps to increase, and, and the Stuarts had been working on this for a long time, to increase that, that power of the central government, and so you just don't have a bunch of basically mini kingdoms all over who may or may not acknowledge your sovereignty over them. Anyway, um, at, at that point when the, the government becomes more powerful and more efficient, you might have in some areas a movement away from a kin-based society. I, I, need to, I really need to dive into that a little bit deeper, and I don't believe that was an original thought by me. I think that was something that I, I read somewhere, but I can't remember where. So I'm just I'm just tossing around ideas for you if you want if you want to really dive into this yourself. I do believe that you know this is a conversation and we're just getting a conversation started. And so I don't while that's probably the thing I get complimented on the most is being able to cite sources and discuss the value of those sources. I also don't feel the need to cite everything I say 
because some of you, like I think some of the burden is on you, the listeners, if 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 we talk about something and you're like, ah, I'm not sure about that or I'd like to dive into that a little further, I think that's where, that, that's part of the value of this podcast is is lighting that fire and getting some of some more of you to jump in and and then start to research yourselves and then and then bring it back for the further discussion like Jeremiah starting up a, this dialogue here with so anyway that's uh, anyway going back to the, the original topic as the government becomes stronger the more the more easily accessible parts of Scotland, the lowland areas basically, because geography plays a huge role here, they become more easily managed by the government and become less dependent on their chiefs, on the heads of the kindred, on the heads of the surname. Whereas in the more inaccessible parts of the, of the Kingdom of Scotland, i.e. the Highlands and Isles, there you still have a reliance upon that kin-based society. Let's let's just from that point right there, with without really in an academic fashion backing that up. Let's just use that idea as a place to go for, to start from and move further down the road. All right, so so Jeremiah, I'm glad. I wish every clan had a had somebody like you to jump into it like that. And um, let's keep that dialogue going on. What we find is a clan. How do you define a clan? I've, th- I've thrown some ideas out. For those of you who want to dive into that a little further, you can jump back into the episode. I believe it was tiled, titled, Is Your Clan Really a Clan? Also, I have, let's see, I have Jeremy Morrison Parks. He really wants to see the Morrisons in on here. And I've already started leaning forward a little bit in that direction. And I have the Morrisons on my list, on my to-do list, that many of you have contributed to. But I have not actually developed a whole episode about that. So, Jeremy, give me a little bit more time on that. All right, switching over to... I did have Bethany Adams on Facebook ask me a more family history-centered question. And I think I addressed that a little bit less, or a little bit more last time than in the last episode. But I am, I'm not an expert on. Let me let me put it this way: I am not as competent as a genealogist as I am a historian. Now, competent there is a relative statement. So, in the realm of full-time university professors, lecturers, readers, whatever the title at the university they use, and the different positions that exist within that realm, who are doing it nonstop, day in and day out, and actually part of their career is the research they're doing. So maybe not on that level, but but understanding and, and having gone through a graduate level program in history, and understanding the the value of sources and the and primary sources versus secondary or tertiary sources and and on down the line and into that and, and how to express arguments and back those arguments up and how strong are your arguments and all that stuff then I, I do feel like I'm qualified to get into some discussions in history more so than as a genealogist and so when some of you have reached out with 
genealogy questions and hey I think I'm coming from this area I'm not as good there so hopefully I've given you in some previous episodes and in personal correspondence I hope I've given you a little bit of a lead to go on there okay so we're gonna switch over to the Podbean app and I have one from Chas it says first time listening I'll be back awesome thanks Chas Here's another one from, I got got one from a gentleman named Kenide. Now Kenide, or Kenade, or is, is a, is the original, is the Gallic way of writing an old Pictish name. That's right, I, I believe this, the, so where we get Kenneth, Kenide, McAlpin, I believe we're getting back into some Pictish stuff there. Now, the Mac would not be an indigenous Pictish way of saying that because the Picts, look, I know this has been a subject of debate historically, but the evidence, I think the weigh-in is really on the side of that the Pictish language was a P-Celtic or Brythonic language. So Mac with a K sound, usually represented by M-A-C, that's a more Gallic or Q-Celtic or Goidelic branch of the family thing. So Kenai the McAlpin would be an almost like you're going from P-Celtic to Q-Celtic and back to P-Celtic again. Anyway, I just think it's a really original name. And Kenai, I'd be interested to know if that's your real name or if that's your Podbean handle. Anyway, let me, where does it... Uh, what is it? Where does it start here? He sent me. It was a. It came in a series of correspondences, and it was he. He actually, you can tell that he studied this a ton. I think he's here. He's responding to the the most recent, the last episode with the the Sutherlands descended from Freskin. And he says, by the way, Freskin was in reality a Frisian. Frisians were crossing into Scotland for centuries prior to forming the early Khati or Khati tribes. Gen- genetically speaking, they were more Scando-Norwegian rather than Germanic. And then he also follows up with, maybe also include the Muirs uh, with their different spellings, and the Douglases as they were all kindred clans, hence the three stars on their coats of arms. And I do know that heraldry is one thing that some people use to connect different clans if they have a very similar looking coats of arms. Perhaps they were tied in somehow. <clears throat> All right, so let's let's have just a very quick conversation about DNA and the Scottish clans. And and you know what? Actually, can I his wanting to get into like talking about the the Kati tribes and the the way like the old old like medieval time period tribes that existed you know during the time of the romans maybe going back that far <clears throat> and and the clans who who traced their genealogy or trace their tra- uh, trace their clan histories back that far let's talk a little bit about that because that leads into our episode on the mcginnis clan now why are we doing an episode on the mcginnises well they weren't at the top of the list until one of my listeners. Now, since money is involved here, and I know some people are very concerned about money and how we mention money and things like this. 
so I'm going to be general because I have not talked to this person about bringing it up on the podcast. But I did have a listener make what I feel like is a very generous contribution to the podcast. This is going to allow me to do one of two things, and I will report to this person on how I do this. It's either going to allow me to buy some more books, or it's going to allow me to buy some equipment equipment that will allow me to do more things or just produce a better product generally. I've already mentioned that little box that I need to purchase that will allow me to get two, um, two audio tracks coming in so I can do a, a, do a quality interview and start doing guests on the show. What it'll it'll be used for one of those two things, because that's not cheap in in my realm. Cheap once again is another word that can be very relative. And then also some of the books out there are not cheap, and that I can get a hole down a whole rabbit hole hole on that. But I'm not I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna resist the temptation. I'm just going to stay focused here. But I did have somebody recommend they do the McInneses, and that same person was the person who donated. And with that kind of a personal contribution to the effort here, I feel like um, I the least I can do to show my gratitude for that is to bump the request up to the top of the list. So that's exactly what I did. So thank you, this listener, that you know who you are. And because there's only one of you <laughs> that's that's done this so far, and I do plan on monetizing the podcast in the future. I, I don't know that we'll ever get to where you need to pay for content. I know some people do some Patreon; they have exclusive content on Patreon, and I don't think I'm going to do that. I think we're going to. I still have to research this a little bit more, but it's either going to be affiliate marketing or sponsoring, and I just got to figure out which is going to be the best fit for this particular podcast where it's very, very niche. My numbers will never be on this podcast like Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan or some of those people who already had a name out there before they started a podcast. So it, I got to figure out which is going to be the best fit for monetization. But for those of you who are just looking to, to donate, I, I do take donations. So thank you, this listener. You know who you are. And as a sign of my gratitude, we're going to talk about the clan that you want to talk about, and that's the McInneses. All right, so, and there is another one that this listener requested, and it was the Grams. And I, I do think the Grams are a very interesting clan because they kind of straddle that highland, lowland border like a few other clans do, such as the Gordons. And that's something I want to get to eventually, but just a little chunk at a time, let's talk about some McKinnis stuff. Now, the reason I think that the McKinnis clan is interesting to dive into is because as I, I, was, I was just doing some cursory reading up, and usually, just to let you know my process, unless I already have on deck some scholarly sources, that, and I'm, I already know that those scholarly sources lead to information on a particular clan, or maybe I have some older sources. Maybe I have the genealogical history of the Earldom of Sutherland, like I dove into a lot for the last episode, which is is uh, anyway, it's a good it's a good source. And unless I have something like that just really sitting in my little bank of sources, I I generally just go straight to Wikipedia, do some introductory reading, and then go down to the references and see if there's anything, some low hanging fruit in the references or sources down at the bottom of the article and and I might use that as a to dive into it a little bit deeper but I found that the McInnes history had a lot of places that were really easy to use as a jumping off point to talk about 
aspects of Scottish clans, generally speaking. So I'm, I think that's going to how I'm going to structure this this episode. All right, and I, w- I do want to give a shout out here. Now the shout out is probably going to fall on deaf ears because the McInnes way before, way before I even became interested in Scottish clans. And that was a pretty early date for me. I, I think I can trace this interest back to when I was 13 years old. But even earlier than that, I was living in Kennewick, Washington for a little while. Actually, it was several years. And there was, in, in, my, in our congregation, we had Rod and Cheryl Jackson. And Cheryl Jackson's father was Stu McInnes. And we would do these, you know, like, like congregations do. In, in my faith, we call it a ward. But like congregations do, we have get-togethers, we have cookouts. And I just remember this Stu McInnes, and he would tell the coolest stories. He was an outdoors, an, an avid outdoorsman, and he just had... Sto- he, was, he was a natural storyteller. And I don't... I can remember one of his stories involved a bear, and I don't even remember, but I do remember being enraptured as he told these stories, and just, I just remember my young, I remember the impression it made on me more than I actually remember the stories. I just remember that guy has the coolest stories. I love listening to him so much. Anyway, so I want to reach back to that. All right. So, here's just... I'm not going to take the McInnes clan in a chronological time period. I'm just going to talk about details about the clan and then just talk about aspects of clanship generally. The last clan clan chief of the McInneses was assassinated in the 1300s. That's pretty early on. So it's, it's hard to get a, a really good history of this kindred. Now, when we talk... When we've got these other sources, like the genealogical history of the Earldom of Sutherland, or like the Wardlaw Manuscript, or like, and we can go down the list, down the list, down the list, a lot of the really cool stories that are coming out from these different clans that we're more familiar with, that probably made it into a Wikipedia article somewhere, a lot of those are happening in the 1500s and later. And here we have 200 years earlier than that is when the last McInnes chief is assassinated. Now this listener, this listener was saying that it was the McLeans and the McDonalds. Now I did not find I didn't I didn't get into any scholarly sources on this, and I don't know what exactly happened. But here's what I know that that's a pretty early date to have your last chief. Now, given the historical context, and, I'll, and we'll get into where the, who the McInneses are descended from here in a little bit, but it's likely that the history of the, of the clan McInnes is tied in with that of the McDonnell clan, similar to the early history of the clan McKinnon, which we don't have on the McKinnons. We don't have a lot on the McKinnons until a fairly late date, and so we're just assuming that whatever they had going on, it was tied into what the Lords of the Isles were doing, the McDonnells. Now, <clears throat> this, would, this would serve, there's going to be some items on this list that I've got here that I've made up that I'm not going to dive into at length, and then there's some that I'm going to talk a little bit more about. The first one is that clans that no longer have a chief. So the, this deal with the McInneses having the last chief die off fairly early on, 
this this could lead into a longer conversation about so what what clans do we have they still are represented by people with these surnames yet they have not functioned as clans for a really long time so an exa and other examples of that in addition to the McInneses could be the McRory's there are still people with a McRory surname now that could have come from a lot of different people not necessarily the significant kindred that was descended from Summerled, so kin to the McDougals and the McDonalds, who held vast estates in the Western Isles and and Western Highlands, and were absorbed into the McDonalds through marriage. I've talked with them about this in other episodes. You have Good John of Isla McDonnell, Lord of the Isles, who marries Anya McRory. She's an heiress. So everything that the McRory's have is going to come into her and through into her posterity. So it's going to pass out of the McRory surname into a different surname and different clan. And so that's what happened. So the problem was that Good John kicks her to the curb in favor of a woman from a more up-and-coming family, namely a Stuart. And so the Lordship of the Isles descends from his union with the Stuart woman. And so what is Anya McRory and her and John's posterity with her? What do they get? Well, he didn't completely leave them out to dry. And so you have through her, you have one of her sons was Ronald and you have the McDonald's of Clan Ronald. Okay, so, and, and that's where they are kind of the modern face, or the more, re I should not say modern, but more recent face of the McRory's. So everything that was McRory territory and, and all those people who were loyal to the McRory's are now under the leadership of the McDonald's of Clan Rannell. So the McRory's go away. Not necessarily that their that uh, that surname is extinguished but as a clan they cease to function right around that time and then another example of this is you have the McSween's now the McSween's that's an interesting history the McSween's like the McRory's an interesting history the Mc, the McSween's sided against the Bruce now they were closely tied in with the McDougal's who we've mentioned before as soon as Robert the Bruce put a knife into John Cummin, the, he made an enemy out of the McDougals, who were John Cummins. The chief of the McDougals was his brother-in-law. And so now you have a, an, an enmity there, and the McSweens were on the side of the Cummins and the McDougals. Now, we all talked about already what, what happened to the people who sided against Robert the Bruce, or may have participated in an ambush that nearly extinguished not only his effort but his life well when he became the king in in actuality after the battle battle of bannockburn people who sided against him suffered and the mcsweens are no exception so in this respect they're not exactly like the mcrory's or the mcinnises they did not cease to be a clan but they did cease to be a clan under the name of McSween in Scotland. What happened to them? Well, this is about the time, late 1200s, that the Galloglass movement under that name is really picking up some momentum. So early 1300s 
and into the 1300s, you're seeing the McSweens, who have really got the tail end of things going on in Scotland. They're, a lot of them are pushing into Ireland, hiring themselves out specifically to the O'Donnells of Tyrconnell in northwest Ireland. And one county of Ireland today that's really represented by that territory would be Donegal. And so you have a kindred, a clan, that establishes itself in Donegal under the name of McSweeney. Now McSweeney, as opposed to McSween, is actually a closer phonetic connection to the Gaelic way, the, the origin of this, this name, than McSween is. It, my understanding is that the Gaelic name that we get McSween or McSweeney from is Sweeney, which is S-U-I-B-N-E or B-H-N-E, Sweeney. And so Sweeney or Sween. Now, the, I've been over this before, but remember, in Gaelic, when you show possession, and so you'd be speaking in the genitive case, a word changes its sound. So if you're saying Mac, Sweeney, you're showing possession, right? Who's Whose son is it? Whose Mac is it? Well, it's the son of Sweeney. So since it's the son of Sweeney is there showing possession, we're going to drop an H right after that S. Now, an H in Gallic is used more as an accent mark than it is an actual letter. It's really just used to modify the sound of other letters. And so what does it do to an S? Well, it just cancels out an S or turns it into an H. So what does that leave you sounding like? McQueenia. So you have in Ireland, they become the McSweenies. What about in Scotland? In Scotland now, we have the McQueens, right? If you take McSween and you just drop the S out, it leaves you McQueen. And you have the McQueens of that became part of Clan Hatton. They were originally a Western Isles clan, or a, a Western that seaboard there and in the Isles, which is right in McSween territory. And they form part of the dowry of McDonald Bride of, I believe it was a Macintosh chief, but I didn't research that and prepare that before this, this episode. And so we see a, a good chunk of McQueens change locations. And so really the center of gravity for the, for the McQueen clan moves farther inland, closer to the Macintosh territory. And they become part of Clan Catton. All right. <clears throat> so... That there's the, the modern incarnations of the old clan McSween, the one that sided against Bruce and suffered because of it. Also, just a quick note, the McEwens of Otter may descend from a remnant of the McSweens, but I don't know that for sure. I just know that it's claimed. All right, so there's, so there's, that's an, kind of an indication of how I want to take this episode is take an aspect from the clan McInnes and say, what is, where could we go? Where could we use that as a launching point for a conversation about clans generally? And so we have this concept of clans that early on functioned to survive or functioned, ceased to function as a clan, as a, as a entity that was worth taking note of, but we still have people with these surnames and it's cool to tie that back in, okay? All right, so there's there's that aspect of McInnes history. The next thing I want to talk about is the gap in the 
between the Ga Gallic pronunciation and the English pronunciation. So we have McGinnis. Now, what does McGinnis mean? Well, to be to believe it or not, it's it comes from son of Angus. It's Mac Angus. Here's the deal: in Gallic, when you when you say the word Angus, it doesn't sound like Angus. That's a that's an Anglicization or Anglicization of a Gallic name. It doesn't sound like Angus in Gallic. Now I'm going to try this out, and I actually reached out in email to. I'm going to say the the English version of his name, but when he puts his name on scholarly papers that he writes, he puts it in Gallic. But in English, it'd be Angus Mackenzie. And I emailed him, and I was using one of his in a previous episode, using some of his work as a source. And he he is a he is a professor, and I was emailing him saying, hey, use some of your material and I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your name right just because, I, because he signs it in Gallic so I want to try to pronounce it right. I don't want to just bring it in English. And he said, ah, that's close enough. Anyway, this is what I came up with. It's something like Unyas. Unyas McKinnich. And so, McUnyas. So now we have McInnes, and which sounds a lot closer to the original Gallic than MacAngus would. So what are some other clans that are similar to that? Well, probably every clan with a Gallic language origin for their name, which is not every clan in Scotland, keep in mind. It's not even every Highland clan in Scotland. But let me give you just a couple examples. I did a whole episode on clan Robertson of Struan, a.k.a. clan Duncan, more authentically referred to as Clan Donaghy or Clan Conaghy. Remember that possession there. Whose clan is it? It's Duncan's. So, Conaghy, Clan Clan Conaghy, or the Clan, the Children of Donaghy. So there you have, and that that's quite a disparity between Duncan and Donaghy or Conaghy. So when what about when we say that it's this in English? I mean, in in Gaelic rather. So, if you're the son of Duncan, what does that sound like in Gaelic? It's Mac Ganachy, because that you you throw that H in there, right? That accent mark to the D, and with a D, it either sometimes it turns it into kind of a Y sounding, a Y sound, like yeah, but also sometimes it turns it into kind of a G sound, but you th pronounce the G way back in the back of your throat, like a almost like a vocalized CH. Right, you go loch, so it's a lot loch. The ch there is like a k that you pronounce way down in your throat. It's very guttural. Well, now put a little bit of your voice into it, and now you got the g sound, clanghanachy. But if you say that quickly, macanachy. Now you have Matthew McConaughey, and you have that surname. So really, it's just Matthew, son of Duncan. Right, just to pull in a, a celebrity name that a lot of people are familiar with there. So that's that's something I could connect in with the linguistic origin, something that we, we see when we look at the name McGinnis. Another example of this is the McDougal clan. So, and you can go a few different directions with McDougal, because one thing you see done in Gaelic a lot. So Dougal would be the very English way to say it, and it, and it still sounds cool. 
even when you change it into English. But in the Gaelic, you see that the G in, in Dougal, you see an H drop next to it. So what does it do to it? If, if it does those other things to an S or, a, or a, a D, what does it do to a G? Well, when an H is next to a G in Gaelic, it, it, you kind of just breathe past it. And so it ends up being something sounding like dual, dual. And that you can actually, there's a YouTube video on that for the Outlander series. They have an episode, and I don't, I maybe, maybe if I think about it, I can put the link in the, the show notes. But the Outlander series, they have these little mini snippets on kind of the behind the scenes stuff or some of the cultural things going on. And they have actually some really interesting stuff there that I think is relevant to our podcast. But on the one that I was watching, they were talking about how to pronounce some of the Gallic names within the Outlander series. And for those of you who have seen it, you know that the brother of Colin McKenzie, the chief, is his name is Dougal. And he plays a, he's played by Graham McTavish, and he plays a very prominent role in in the show. But And they actually talk about his name being Dougal, not not Dougal, where you hit that G nice and hard, but you kind of breathe past it, Dougal. Now, with that being said, what about the D? We already watched what happens with the D when you, with, with Donaghy. So how does it sound when you say son of Duel? What, what, do, we, what do we do here? Well, we, we take that D and we change it to kind of a guttural G, but what does that sound like when you actually just say it quickly? Makul. So now you have Makul. And, and that actually could go back to that episode I had on the stewards of Appen versus the rest of Argyle, which it really wasn't the rest of Argyle, but it was really fascinating story. Go back and check that episode out. And you had an, a, a kindred in there whose name was McCool. Well, really, that's just another way of saying McDougal. Anyway, so there's – that's I think for me, I just I'm just nerding out with you, but – I think that stuff's interesting, the, the linguistic thing going on behind everything in, in Gaelic. I think that's fascinating. And in fact, that same interest is helping me out here as I'm studying Spanish in Monterey for the military, and it's, it's helping me get stuff quicker because I'm interested in, in, in where the, the, the background of it helps me understand how, how the languages work, and then it, so I'm there already a little bit. I can understand how to, how to manipulate it. And I'm not trying to make that sound like I'm just leaps and bounds ahead of everybody in my class, and I'm just already speak perfect Spanish. I don't. I'm still way beginner, way beginner. Anyway, so let's move on to the next thing with the McInneses. So if the McInneses, the McInneses are descended from somebody named Angus. Well, who is this Angus? Well, there's a lot of different theories on that one. I think some of them are more probable than others. Now, the first probable one here, one of the things, probably the one I'm going to I think that I'm going to side with here. If the McInnes, the McInnes's, the theory is that they're descended from Angus Moore or Angus Og, two big figures in McDonald history. So if this is true, then they would be a part of a group of McDonalds, a branch of the McDonald clan who later adopted the name of a more recent forebearer who was of some note. Okay. But really, they're McDonald's, and they just took their name from a rather than using as their surname the Donald of farther back history, who was a grandson 
of Summerlid. He was a grandson of Summerlid and the nephew of Dougal, where the McDougals get their name from. Okay, that Dougal. That's who Donald was. The grandson of Summerlid and the nephew of Dougal, ancestor of the McDougals. You can see how the, the McDougals and the McDonalds are related there. So rather than take their name from somebody that far back, a more recent person in that line of leaders of that kindred would have been Angus Moore, or or I should maybe I should say Angus uh, Moore or Angus Og. Moore means great and Og means young. All right. So either way, they're descended from a later MacDonald. Okay, so this is similar to other branches of the McDonald's who did not keep the McDonald's surname. And, and you'll hear me go back and forth. If you're just joining the podcast and it's the first time you've ever listened, I kind of go back and forth when I'm saying the name McDonald. If I'm talking about somebody specifically, and that's their name, and that's how they've chosen to spell it and pronounce it, then out of respect for that person, I'm just going to say McDonald. But if I'm just referring to the McDonald kindred or clan, you'll notice I don't pronounce the D a lot. That's because it's never on the name in Gaelic. It's never, the, the D, they never had the D on there. I think Donald, without the D, is a more authentic rendering of the name. Okay, so who are some other people in, in addition to the McInneses who do this? Well, the McKeans of Ardnamurchan would be one group. They are named after Yoin Sprangach McDonnell. You also have the McDonnells of Glencoe. And by the way, if you, I, I'm not meaning to dive into each one of these in, in any great detail. So if you're like, well, what's going on there? Well, a quick Wikipedia search will fill you in and then go down to the sources and keep reading from there. And you should have plenty of reading to keep you busy. But I'm just going to list these kind of briefly as other examples in addition to the McInneses. In McDonald's, who have, they're a, they're a branch of the clan, but they've adopted, they've used a different, they've chosen to, to label themselves patronymically after a, a more recent member of this kindred. So another example is the McDonald's of Glencoe. The, the chiefs of that family styled themselves McKeon or McKeon, or sometimes you say it anglicizes McCain. Anyway, Yoin, Yoin, Fruch, McDonald, mid-1300s, younger son of Angus Og, the one who helped Bruce. To recall, if some of you watched Outlaw King, Robert the Bruce, he has that crushing defeat. I think it was the Battle of Methven. And he's, he's scrambling for his life, lost a lot of his force. And as he's scrambling back into the highlands, he gets bushwhacked by the McDougals, who nearly do him in right there. In fact, one of them got a, reached out and got a hold of the, the brooch on his shoulder and pulled it off of him in the struggle. And the, the McDougals actually kept that that brooch from Robert the Bruce for quite a long time afterwards. I don't know what happened to it. It's probably it's probably out there in, in the history of it somewhere. Maybe it's in a museum. I don't know. But I just that that little detail stuck out to me. Anyway, but he makes it away. Well, how does he really make it away though? He makes it out of that fight. But where? Did, how did he actually get to a safe place? Two people, and probably three, 
Outlaw King really, out of all the people who are close and loyal to um, to Robert the Bruce, you do see Angus Og represented. He is in that show, but they really give a lot of more face time to James Douglas, and they do a great job with him. That actor, I, can't, I don't remember his name. I'm not super into all the. Anyway, um, I think I think it was cool, and James Douglas was totally worth it. I'm not saying that it should have been any different. But you do see Angus Og in there. It's Angus Og who actually gets him to safety. So when they're on that boat and James Douglas is talking about, you know, this is even on the trailer for Outlaw King. And he's talking about, you know, use that hate and that desire for vengeance as, a, as fuel, as a weapon. Well, they're on a boat secured by Angus Og because he's from the premier seafaring clan of the Western Isles and if anybody can get him on a seaborne extraction out of there to a safe place it's gonna be this this gentleman so he's the one that lines out a boat and gets him off to, to a I believe it was Rathlin Island off the north coast of, of Ireland where he's able to get him out to there get him to a safe place rest and recover and get back in the fight from there that was Angus Oak played a pretty big role I do want to throw another person in there that group who was not represented in the movie, but and maybe should have got at least some small part in there, given his loyalty, and that's Neil Campbell. So, I th- and I think Neil Campbell was the son of Colin Moore, who all the Campbells afterwards style themselves McCollin Moore. And you can go back to my three-part miniseries on the Campbells for more detail on that. Anyway, so th- that's that Angus Og. His son, a younger son, is Yoin Fruch McDonnell, or McDonnell, and he was in the mid-1300s. That's who the McDonnells of Glencoe descend from, and that their chiefs style themselves as McYoin. Clan Rannell, I already went into a, a little bit of a background on them, so I'm not going to... Into, but, you know, they, they label themselves as after Rannell, even though they do maybe more more overtly retain, you know, as the McDonald's of Clan Rannell rather than just adopting a completely different clan name. But the fact that they are identified a lot with Rannell rather than Donald, the Rannell being the son of Anya McRory and this good John of Isla, Lord of the Isles. Anyway, so there's another example. And, and uh, two more examples here. You have McAllister's of the Loop, probably descend from Alistair Moore, the son of Donal and great grandson of Summerlid. So the McAllister's in this case are interesting because they're one of the first split offs, they're one of the first branches of the McDonald's, and especially the first ones to take a different name. So they're a very, you know, we talk about the Camels of Craig Nish being. Either them or the MacArthur's being one of the first Campbell branches. For the McDonald's, it would be the McAllister's. They they split off really early and take the name of a son of the, the same Donald that the whole clan's named after. His son, Alistair, and his descendants, rather than keeping the name of Alistair's father like the rest of the clan did, they take the name Valister Moore, and there you have the McAllisters of Loop. 
And then the last clan that I want to bring in as an example of this would be the McDonald's of Slate, who are also known in Gaelic as Clan Ushtin. So, so in English, they still have the same surname. They're still McDonald's. Or, and also, they're another name from is Clan Donal North. But in Gaelic, their, their name was Clan Ushtin. And who, so who's the Ushtin? Ushtin was a bastard son of Alistair of Isla, and, and his wife, who was a daughter of the Obiolan abbot of Applecross. And from Ushtin, the McDonald's of Slate are also known in Gaelic as Clan Ushtin. Okay, so th that's interesting. If you, and by the way, that source, that was a Wikipedia, but it was well cited. And this, the real root source of that comes from Angus and Archibald McDonald's work called Clan Donald, Volume 3, which was published in 1900. And I, I do see that a lot of the material online in as much as it's actually cited, which a lot of it's not, they, that seems to be a pretty big work on the McDonald's, but I do not have that work in my own possession. In fact, I do have another book called The Great Feud by um, Thomas Oliver, and I've mentioned that book before. And I've actually, I think I turned that one into an actual episode, but he uses this work by Angus and, Al and Archibald McDonald quite a bit. So what, let's go back on this for a second though because so you have Alistair of Isla who marries an Obiolan, ab a daughter of the Obiolan abbot of Applecross. Well who are the Obiolans? Well they're, they're the Rosses. They're the ones who are the Earls of Ross before the male line failed and an heiress who marries the Leslies, and now the Leslies have the the earldom, but the this kindred retain. So unlike the earldom of Sutherland, where the heiress marries a Gordon, and now not only does he get the earldom, but he also is, becomes the head of the Sutherland kindred. In this case, and this is what we just in the last few episodes covered. It was an Obio it was, the Obiolan name lasted. It seems like these the, the the surname Ross and Obiolan were using being used simultaneously simultaneously, and and you have this rare use of the, of the O prefix in Scotland as opposed to Ireland, where it's very common. So the Obiolan earls of Ross who descend from this abbot of Applecross, and, the, and a tr it is a traditionally this abbacy was passed down in a, in a uh, it was inherited it was a, what was the word for that where it's passed down in the, anyway this family traditionally held that office and they become the earls of you have Farrakhar MacIntaggart son of the priest well what priest the abbot of Applecross Farrakhar MacIntaggart becomes Earl of Ross and but his real surname is Obiolan because he's from this Obiolan line and so you have the, the Taggarts or the MacTaggarts shooting off from this story and you have the Obiolan which doesn't as a surname seem to survive but then you have people who are from the Obiolan family who are also adopting the last name of Ross because the territory that their family are the earls of and you have this whole thing going on there and we got into that a few episodes ago so you have a woman from that family 
and I, I wonder, does this mean that? How, I wonder how how close the relationship. This is a question that just barely popped into my mind. What was the relationship between this woman who marries Alistair of Isla and Ferrer MacIntaggart, who becomes Earl of Ross and founds the the Earldom of Ross in the Obiolan line? I wonder what the relationship between those two was. Be interesting. Anyway, Ushtun is the result of that union, and. He's the ancestor of the McDonald's of Slate, also known as Clan Ushtin. By the way, Alistair of Isla, he lived in the first half of the 1400s. Just saying. Okay, so there's there's that idea of this branching off and not came. So thank you, McInneses, for getting us on that train of thought and covering that subject. Now I do, listeners, I just want you to know this is this is a project that I do plan on tackling sometime in the future. I want to get to more of your requests before I do this, so I don't know that I'm going to do this really soon. But this just reminds me that there will never be a shortage of topics to discuss for this podcast. Anyway, that'll be a that'll be a clan clusters. That's that's kind of my you know it's like a sub theme within this podcast of Scottish clans. These these different the concept of these clans that they're either all related to each other. They're just different branches of the same clan, but some of the branches have become clans in their own right, or it's other clans that may have some genetic connection, may not have some genetic connection, and they have grouped together for reasons of advantage, like the Clan Hatton Confederation. So, so there, so yeah, so that's that's the, the the whole clan clusters is about, and I plan on doing one for the McDonald's, but once again, that's going to be in the future, a ways. All right, so deriving a name so let's talk about the time period the mcginnises so they claim they claim they or that they claim well a, they're likely i should say descended from unusmore or unusog and so in both cases we're looking at the later 1200s okay well that that is actually a very common time period to have a founding father of a clan that we would recognize today. Now, that we'd recognize today as opposed to clans that we we would not recognize today, like Canel Navrain or Canel Nongusa or Canel Lorne. These kindreds that provided the leadership of the kingdom of Dalriada, the early Gaelic-speaking kingdom when Scotland was actually made up of several different ethnic groups to include the Picts, the Vikings, the Angles of Northumbria, the Britons of Strathclyde. So during that time period, you have kindreds that don't survive till today, and we, we don't recognize those names. But when you get into names that we do recognize today, a lot of those names, the, the, the person that they chose to use their name that became the surname of the clan, Oh, it's very common and that will go to back to the 1200s. So what are some other examples of this? The Mackays of Strathnaver are descended from a founding I, man named I, back in the 1200s. The McLarens, the McLeans of Duart and the McLeans of Lochbuy, who are really just the same clan and we should be doing something on them sometime. That's on my to-do list. It's on my... Um, the list of requests was the word I was looking for. 
That's that's in there, and I need to do one. Also, the McNeils of Bara, who, that's an interesting clan. A bunch of pirates. And there's some really cool stuff there, and they totally deserve an episode. So I don't think it's been, I don't think it's on my list. I don't think anybody has requested the McNeils, but definitely they deserve an episode sometime. Anyway, so let's discuss the possible origins of the McInnes clan. Were they so one of the, the so the the possibility that I throw my my position behind would be either Inus Moore or Inus Og. But some people say that they're descended from the now we're getting back into so when we get back into people that lived in the medieval time period, so we're talking about post Roman Empire but also maybe with the 10 hundreds is the like the late end of what we would call medieval Gallic wasn't pronounced like didn't have the same rules back in that medieval period and nor nor was the spelling I don't know there's there's some different things going on so I'm just I guess I bring that up with saying I'm going to do my best with these names but Ongus was a Pictish king that some people say that the McInnes, so Ongus being the same name as Angus, which really comes from a Pictish name, Onwist. So the name Angus, or Unish, or Unis, comes from this, this Pictish name. So that's, isn't that interesting, though? Something that we very strongly associate with Scots Gaelic really comes from, the, the root is in the Pictish, it would, it would be according to Alex Wolf. Now he's talked. Alex Wolf is a scholar, a Scottish. I don't know if he's actually Scottish. Scottish originally, he is a scholar in Scotland, and he's put out a lot of stuff on the medieval period of Scotland and England and the, the British Isles in, in general. But he talks about this name, and he says it originally was Onuist or Onist. So that'd be O-N-U-I-S-T or O-N-N-U-S-T. In this case, the original sound of the name lacked the hard G sound, as does Innis, although other forms of the original name may have included that sound. And I just think, okay, that's interesting. So we're on the right track here. Linguistically, phonetically, we're on the right track. But here's the deal. And, and there was another, so there's another ancient... Ongus that they so you have the Pictish king, but that you also have an Ongus. And by the way, I even though the scholars say it, it's a Pict is Pictish in origin, you do have some really old Gallic sources that have this name appear in there, and so definitely I need to research that a little bit more and, and un, unravel that. But there's another Ongus that comes from the same period of history. And that is the the Ongus who the Canal Nongusa come from. Now the Canal Nongusa, in this case, we've got not only the, the name, the, the correct linguistic root for the name McInnes, but we also had the the geographical location pinned down because back in the times of Dalriada, the Isle the, the Isle of Isla, where the Lords of the Isles would be based out of was 
th- that was the territory of the Canal Nongusa. So it's the right place. It's the right name. Here's the catch. It's very rare for a Scottish kindred, very rare, to trace back that far. Now, I've talked a little bit in another episode about the comparison between the Irish, the origin of Irish clans versus the origin of Scottish clans. And the Irish clans do tend to go back a lot farther. But the Scottish clans, it, it, and the McInneses are a good example of this, that, that come from the 1200s. Yeah, some of them come from earlier than that. The Macduffs, they're, they're pretty old. They, they have a pretty strong tie-in, not linguistically, not with the actual name Macduff, but with like a pretty, like we're pretty confident that we can tie them back into Kenneth McAlpin's dynasty and... Anyway, that's that's a different ballgame, and I, I believe I've done a whole episode on that one too, but it was back a little ways. There's been a lot of water under the bridge since I started this podcast, and I've, I've changed locations. I've lived in two different states since I started this, and I've done, done some different things. So I don't remember every single thing, especially when I'm just thinking of this off the cuff, but the McDuffs, they're, they're an exception to this, but most of the clans don't go back that far, and even the McDuffs don't linguistically. So to say, like, oh, the Canal Nongusa were named after a, a prominent person named Angus or Onus, and and there was a Pictish king named on- Onus or Ongus, and so definitely they should be descended from them because that would be a notable person with the right last name, so the McInneses are descended from them. I just, in the context, in the Scottish history context, it it's not consistent. How, how does this one, and I'm not saying impossible, be, be clear on that one. It's just not probable in my head that contrary to all of the other clans around them, their namesake goes back several hundred years farther. It just doesn't seem right. Now, if they were an Irish clan, which they're not, but if they had been, I actually looked up a few, just did a quick search on a few Irish clans and their origins, like the, the person that they get, not not the, well, this group came out of this group and this group came out of this group, which ties back into this area in the 400s. I'm talking about the person that this Irish clan actually takes their name from. It goes back typically a lot farther than the Scottish clans. Here's just some examples. The O'Kellys, the Kelly that they take their name from, comes from the 800s oh and by the way these two the the canal nongusa guy he would be in like the early 500s but probably not as the legends say the brother of fergus mcgarrick who was the founder the legendary founder of the dalriada kingdom that's probably a made-up thing but early 500s the pictish king that they're going that's more like in the mid sevens and there's a, a second pictish king with the same name in the eight uh, the first half of the 800s so so yeah so like not unrealistic but just not right for the scottish context but the o'kellys take their name from a guy who lived in the 800s the o'flaherty's take their name from a guy who lived in the 900s so do the o'donovans so do the o'connors the o'briens the mccarthy's the O'Sullivans also, in addition to the O'Kellys, take their name from somebody who lived in the 800s. 
the O'Donnells, they're claiming to go back to descend from a Donnell that lived in the 400s. Once again, if I'm getting that wrong, you can go back and research that more and just I'll, I'll fix it later. But that's what I got. And, and by the way, I'm only questioning that on the O'Donnell one. But the rest, rest of them, that's they, the claim is that the person they're descended from, where they take their name, is living in that century that I named for that clan. So you can see typically it's two or three hundred years, or, or in some cases four hundred years early, earlier than a lot of, than most, I would say, most of the Scottish clans take their names. Now, the Scottish clans were descended from Normans. A lot of times we can find that Norman person with that name with bearing that title or surname we can in many cases they can get that back to the 1100s when many of them came north from england invited into scotland by david the first or malcolm kenmore or william the lion but a lot of them under david the first and and we can trace that back to that time period so in that case actually the norman the, the clans of Scotland are descended from Norman forebears. They're, that goes back farther than a lot of the ones with the Gallic name, who are a lot of them are coming from the 12 and 1300s. The 1200s, I mentioned you a few clans there. The 1300s, like the McFarlands. Parlin, that they get their name from, he, was, he would have lived in the early, I believe it was the early, the, at least the first half of the 1300s. Anyway. Anyway, so that's... I think I'm going to wrap it up there because it's almost 11.30 p.m. I'm tired. I keep on rubbing my eyes, and I want to go to bed. So I hope that the person who made that generous donation that I'm so grateful to, I hope they liked this one. And... And I hope that everybody else did too. I hope that we used the McInneses as a springboard. So not only do we get into some history of the McInneses, but then we, we saw themes and patterns and concepts within studying clanship within Scotland that we could turn into a broader conversation. I hope it was good for you. And if you have any um, questions, Anything you want to continue the conversation with, you want to add a comment, something I missed. You, you saw me at the beginning of this episode. That's why I do that listener feedback because you, you guys do it. And some of you are really good at it, and I appreciate it, and I want more people to do it, and I want you guys to – another thing, please share this this podcast with, with people that you think would be interested in it. I, there's – a lot of times, here's something that I see in, in the comments to this when I'm looking through Facebook and seeing people's messages there. One thing I'm seeing a lot of is, holy cow, I just barely found this. I just, and a lot of people, it almost sounds like they found it on accident. And they're like, I can't believe this is out there. And now they're, they're binge listening through the episodes, which I'm completely flattered by. And, and I'm also flattered by the number of you who said, hey, will you please just do an episode on this clan? I take that as a huge compliment. I, guys, I I'm I don't know a lot of stuff, but I do know a, th- know a thing or two about a thing or two. And I'm I'm glad that I can have this forum to have a conversation with you guys, and I'm glad for your input and 
because I even though I know a thing or two, I don't know everything, and I'm glad for what we what we can get when we come together on this this topic. Guys, I I just find this topic fascinating. Scottish clans. I don't know what it is that makes it so dang interesting. It's just the the history is so colorful and the stories are endless and the historical aspects I can I don't feel like I can ever bottom out on it. Anyway, and I've I've got some ideas running around in my head that, to take this bigger but uh, until I get in a position to do it, I think I'll just keep it to myself. But n- not because I'm worried anybody's going to steal the idea, but just because, you know, you talk a big game and you don't really do anything. Like, I've been talking about monetizing this sector forever. I still haven't done it. And I also talked about taking that Facebook page into a Facebook group, and I haven't done that either. Here I will tell you one thing, and not to just drag on all night, but I thought that coming out here to Monterey without my wife and kids which by the way I'm I'm so homesick I'm actually you know I sometimes I feel like I'm actually going to be sick but just for just I miss my family so much but but I did think okay I'm going to come out here I'm going to have gobs of free time because thinking about how much of my time back home was soaked into my family and involved there but man I have found that I was way off on that one I I get in a workout after my classes are done I get here I usually take my dog and try to try to get this black-faced malligator dog, my Belgian Malinois, I'll try to get her some some quality movement because these dogs, I'm here to tell you, apartment life is not ideal. And if if you live in an apartment and you think that that's going to be where the long you're going to do for the long haul, don't get a Malinois. This is temporary, and she's my companion. She's handling it really well. She's been really well behaved. She hasn't destroyed herself or anything in the apartment. And I think part of it is because I, I do get her out. But anyway, that's part of my daily routine. I get her out. We do some stuff. By the time I get home, it's time to start supper. By the time I get that cleaned up, it's time to work on some homework. By the time I'm working, finishing that up, I have precious little time because I get up early. i got to get to bed. I need my ever-loving sleep. But it's a Saturday night as of this recording, and so I allowed myself to stay up a little later. So thanks for joining me, and thanks for just listening to me ramble on. Probably a lot of you have already turned this off, but appreciate it. So contact me through Facebook, Podbean, or Apple Podcasts. Leave me a good review and share this podcast with somebody else. That's my invitations to you. Thank you for joining me, and until the next episode, goodbye.